Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. This episode is sponsored by Polymorph Crafts. Visit polymorphcrafts.com to learn about their high-quality, compact, and affordable tabletop accessories. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, the party had an intense discussion with Travancore over his backstory. That's really the easiest way to talk about it, because you really need to have listened to the episode to, to get more than that. I could go into detail, but it'd really be just recapping everything that was said in the episode. Do you want to know about Travancore's backstory? The party did, and they asked him, and he told them everything. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren, also known as Oboe Crazy. I am finishing off almost the last of my bullet bourbon. We're getting down to the last of it, but it's so good. So I have a, a nice little cup right here, and I'm just going to enjoy. <sighs> and uh, Travancore, since last week was such a major week for you, why don't you start off this week? What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening, it actually sounds just as classy as the Viceroy's choice, at least in my humble. Macallan 12. <laughs> Not messing around this week, kids. Yeah, serious drinks for, for serious men who are no longer going by serious titles. <laughs> Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Metromuscular. And tonight, I am drinking an Up Yours Putin. Because seriously, Up Yours Putin, and also Up your Yours on your cheating Russian athletes who have been banned from the Olympics, and then got banned again. Because that happened. That literally happened. Yeah. Several times, actually. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. several times. Anyway, this shot of fireball to be consumed at the next casting of fireball or a spell equivalent thereof is dedicated to one of our wonderful patrons, Raymond Stanek. Thank you so much, Raymond. This shot is for you eventually Yay. when things die. <laughs> or when spells happen or you know i like the equivalency because not every episode do you guys get into fights and not every episode does a fireball have to happen i but can make it happen fireball every episode boom can. let's do it you um, could you, you could but you know what i feel the like there'd be repercussions i feel like <laughs> there would be there would be a great fire of neverwinter thus entered into the history books <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like chicago never. So far, the city of Waterdeep is happy to have you there, but if you start setting things on fire, they might not be. Oh yeah, Waterdeep. Whoops. So let's just let's just move on to Carlton. No, that's me. Drinking. Uh, I'm continuing my random sodas, uh, and today uh, is the Boots Beverages Dewberry Soda, and it is actually not that bad. It's totally palatable, unlike some of the other sodas I've drank on this show that were just sugar coma. It does have a creepy uh, and then boy on it. I also thought it. this was our pizza recording, so I have pizza. Sweet. It is our pizza recording, and I, I kind of had pizza earlier. Mm. So wait, I have to ask, what's dewberry? I don't know. It's a, uh, it's kind of like a blackberry-looking thing. I don't know. Resident uh, historical person, what is uh, what is a dewberry? I don't know what a do. Just because it's just because it's old <laughs> doesn't mean I know about it. She's a historical person. She's not a naturalist. I'm not a naturalist. I, I, like, every time I've had something weird that has like this weird ingredient, just like, oh, by the way, 
history lesson. And I'm like, oh, she'll know what a Dewberry is. Not today, friends. Dewberry, I'm sorry. That picture, look, Lear, look, you want me to Google it? I can Google it. I got Google Plus. Hey, hey, that, that little boy is creepy. Oh, jeez. Wow. He, I think that's creepy, a fucking creepy child. If you take a picture of that and get a vote, that's a black I'll send it they're to you. calling we'll, a Dewberry. We'll Instagram the picture of this this label and the uh, the fans can tell us what, what it is. I'm just going to assume it's where Mountain Dew comes from. <laughs> Here we go, Wikipedia. Thank you. Dewberries are a group of species in the genus Rubus, section Rubus, closely related to blackberries. They're basically a blackberry. There's there if you it go. tastes like it's a blackberry, blackberry. cuz it's basically a fucking blackberry. I like blackberries though, so that's not a bad thing. Can be used for it's, tea. Yeah, it's very good. They yeah, dewberries, they're basically they look like in this picture it looks like a dirty blackberry. It looks like somebody don't take Oh, oh, hold on. These now that I'm looking at this picture, grow in my backyard. So there's the connection for you. <laughs> or my parents' backyard. This episode sponsored had, by the berries in Jules' my, backyard. They were some, my parents just like, don't eat those. You don't know where they are. Uh, yeah, so basically, there we go. I love that the genus is Rubus. Like, Rubus. like the rubes. Like the average rube, see? Mwah. Rubus, oh shit, we Rubus. had those growing in my backyard as a kid as well. Right? <laughs> Fuck, I ever thought they were blackberries. We just called them blackberries. Yeah. They're blackberries. All right, so now that we know what's growing in your backyard, can we find out, Bernie, what are you drinking? Tonight, tonight I am drinking uh, a Swingbridge Blonde Ale from the Manitoulin Brewing Company, which is on Manitoulin Island in Ontario. And this was actually a brewing company that was recommended to me by at Andy That's Crazy on Twitter. I was lucky enough to go on the Lickbo website and look up the brewery and see if they had like where to find it. And there was a grocery store near my house that had it. And I was able to go over and get some yesterday because today is family day and all the lick bows are closed. Um, so if I had waited, I would have no beer. Um, so we're going to open up and try it and see if it's any good. I hope it is. We also got another, I think we got their pale ale. So if this is good, I'm excited to try the pale ale. At silent drum roll, please. Yeah. Yeah. I like good. this. Excellent. Right. I look forward to seeing all of those labels up on our Instagram because, you know, I'm that kind of person. I'm going to forget in five minutes what y'all are drinking, but that you, I'll remember yeah. that it was Take good it. and I'll want to try it. Well, if you come visit me, you can try it. I, I would love to be on that side of the, the country every once in a while. But for now, I have no transition. Hey, you guys are headed to the Watchful Order of Magists and Protectors. Are after having, the- you had said you were. I'm willing to retcon that you guys get outside of the Golden Rock Tavern and and some of you decide to do something else. But uh, at the end of the last episode, after having an intense backstory-filled emotional discussion about Travancore and his past and his present and his future, after deciding that going after Evelyn seemed like a really good idea as quickly as possible, the discussion was to go to the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors because Jonathan might be able to get some more information about... A variety of things about this necromancer or this cave dragon that might be under the the watchful or under the the tunnels <gasps> under the bloody fist. Yes. Uh, more information about how yes. they might how Evelyn might have stolen your animals out of the teleportation circle. How a variety of of things that all of you felt the watchful order might have information about. Oh. Now that being said, as you step outside of the Golden Rock Tavern this morning. After having this this big long discussion, if plans change, you just let me know. No, I just couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's why I'm here. Is I'm I'm Jonathan's memory. 
Well, like, we were like, Watchful Order, imagine. I'm like, I thought we were going Amethyst Acropolis, and then I remembered that's actually where the Watchful Order is located, and I feel dumb. It's okay. <laughs> but would you like to all still go? Yes. Okay, you guys head on over to the Amethyst Acropolis. It is the morning, and you are all greeted as you go into the front doors by the the halfling Razo Riverhopper, who seems extra excited to see you. He's always excited to see you, but he's extra excited to see you. And as you go walking, he's like, oh, yes, Jonathan, bring your friends inside. I wanted to talk to you. I was actually going to try to find you this morning if, if you didn't come by. This is, this is excellent timing. Uh, verily. Uh, what's going on, little bro? As you walk on over to his desk, he pulls out a parchment rolled up and tied with a purple ribbon. And he says, so we talked to Rifon Press after you had finished your excursion to destroying the the teleportation thing that was happening in the well. And I think we had talked about the fact that that was going to be your official working with the, the city watch. And... Since Rifon agreed that that was, that was totally fine with him, that was the last thing you needed to do. And so, and he hands over, it's, it's a pretty big piece of parchment tied with this purple ribbon. And he hands it over to Jonathan and he says, So I would like to welcome you officially as a, uh, an official member of the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors. Yay! Oh, thank you! As you take off the ribbon and unwrap the scroll, it is fancily written calligraphied welcome Jonathan to the official watchful order of the Magus and protectors. And it, it's basically a here to forth after having done this, this and this and this kind of thing. And there's a, a stamped symbol on the top that you hadn't seen before a blue hand on a, a purple backdrop. It's an open-palmed hand kind of facing outward. And uh, Razo says, that's the official crest. The, you can present that to uh, any of the places that you might be going to that work with us for discounts and also just to verify that yes, you are a member in good standing. Well, shit. All right. I try and sleight of hand it into my sleeve. Go ahead and roll a sleight of hand check. I figured. At disadvantage because everyone is looking at you at this very moment. <laughs> Proud of you. I, uh, I, I, I try to tuck it into my sleeve, and it's like, oh, oh I'm crinkling it. Oh, I'm trying to the other sleeve. Ah, ah, yeah. you roll? No. Ta-da. A one. I rolled a one. And Bernie, like, pats him on the knee, <laughs> and she's like, I'm, I'm real proud of you, buddy. I'm real proud. I, mm, that's okay. You try to, to, like, slip this into your sleeve, except you realize halfway through the motion that, like, this is a happy, momentous thing. And Razo is grinning from ear to ear. And they're all looking right at you. <laughs> and you fumble with the scroll and it drops onto the floor. And you pick it back up again. And then, like, try to flourish it back into your sleeve. And it basically, you just stick it up your sleeve. And so you've got this giant scroll up your, your fluffy sleeve. And it's weird and awkward. But Razo just starts to laugh and says, I, I know most people, they get really excited and, and nervous when this happens, but it's, it's okay. It's nothing to be nervous about. Nothing really changes, except now you have the kind of all of the access that we talked about that are in your contract. So congratulations, but you don't need to be nervous in front of us. And, and as that happened, uh, Bucks fell off my shoulder and he's on the floor like, <laughs> like <laughs> laughing. Like, you know how in Sword of the Stone, when Archimedes fell over laughing, he is doing mm -hmm. that. He just can't stop laughing. And I'm like, all right, 
Got that relationship, buddy? Good. I scoop him up and and Bernie I football just him in. Looks at the owl and goes, same. <laughs> so, is there anything else I can help you with today? Oh yeah. Oh, we got a lot to talk about, Razo. Uh, I need to talk to Master Zick, and I need to have everyone here talk to him. Yep, we have things to discuss. Is there is there a non-member huddle room that we can go into to have a quick meeting that may or may not be quick? Razo kind of looks out into this foyer office area that you guys are in and goes, well, this is this is it, but I can I can definitely, he's here. I, I saw him come in a while ago, so I can ask him to come on downstairs if you all need to, to speak with him. It'll just take a moment. Yeah, we need to just talk to, we need to all need to talk to him somewhere private. Like, not where someone can walk in off the street. Okay. Private where you can all be. Well, let can me you, summon him. Uh, Razzo, I hate to do this, but could you lock the door and then maybe go grab coffee for like 15 minutes? <laughs> Razzo gives you kind of a cocked look and says, although coffee does sound really good. No, I think in this case, let me get Master Zick first as he has the authority to get you all into the facility. I do not, but uh, one moment. And he hops off his chair and leaves out the, the door that you guys have actually been through. You remember going through this door, taking the teleportation circle up to the room that Master Zick is in. And mere moments later, he returns with your your Aarakocran wizard sorcerer person who seems unruffled as always, comes downstairs, sees you all, gives you all nods, and uh, says, congratulations, Jonathan. I hear that you are now officially one of our members. Yeah, thank you, Aras. Uh, I, I don't know if what, what Razzo told you, but it is very, very important that we, we talk to you about something of some pretty good import real quick and if we could do it privately that would be fantastic yes there is a meeting room that i can grab right now please follow me and as razo gets back up into his his chair at his desk aras leaves back through the back door again and ushers you back and you're familiar with this little hallway that had a couple of doors in it you remember going through one of the doors towards this teleportation circle taking you into the actual amethyst acropolis he goes through a different door that basically looks like a sitting room. It's very small. It actually only has a couple of chairs, a table, and a little fireplace. It looks like almost like a study room for maybe one or two people, but he ushers you in. There's no windows. It's just this room, uh, but it's nicely lit with a couple of sconces on the walls that are obviously magical light. And at the table, there are three chairs, and he just kind of stands up against the far wall and says... If I had known in advance, I would have arranged for something with more accommodations, but this is as private as anywhere in the Ameth Amethyst Acropolis. What concerns you? What troubles you? Oh, where do we start? Um, I guess, all right, we'll start with, we have access to a pocket dimension. Uh, who has the nut? Carlton. Carlton has the nut. I raised my hand. I have a nut. Great. Uh, you, I think you have two. Let me see the uh, the black nut. Oh, yeah, uh, this one. I, I take it, and I say, we were approached by a planar being named Veronica, right? Rachel. 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 <laughs> named Rachel. And 
we were invited into her pocket dimension home. And upon passing a test, we were given ownership of this home. We can activate this. Custodianship. Yeah, custodianship. So she'll be back in like a thousand years. Uh, So (laughs) we have access to it via this nut. This nut creates a teleportation circle that closes after a certain amount of time and that we can't reopen again for another certain amount of time. And I give him the details. And I say, so we teleport to this pocket house, which is a pocket dimension that has a house and weird magic. We'll take you there sometime. We teleport from where this nut goes and then to that pocket dimension and then eventually back again. We've done this lots of times. Not too long ago, we accidentally left our portal open and were accosted by some kobolds and zombies. We drove them off. That wasn't the big deal. I mean, it was our fault that they even got in in the first place. What is disturbing was when we left... All of us, and I point to all the humanoids, all the, all the humanoids entered the teleportation circle as normal and came out the other side. Our animals, on the other hand, were teleported somewhere else. Some are very far away. Very, very, very far away. So they were materialized in some other place, were held prisoner, managed to escape. We have some very clever animals, I'll have you know. And have man, managed to find their way back to where they were supposed to be. And they were only gone for a couple of seconds, but for, in, from our perspective. But for their perspective, it was several hours. Hmm. We're a bit disturbed. Uh, one, because, because of what happened, what actually happened, that something hijacked our, our teleporter, as it were. So we wanted to bring that to your attention. Also... We have another matter that is becoming more urgent. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to turn the floor over to uh, my friend Travancore here. He's going to tell you what's going on. So we have reason to believe, due to a link between Bucks and Jonathan, where Bucks was able to convey the images of Jonathan, and there was a local cleric who was, not cleric, I'm sorry, druid, I believe. Yes, let's talk. make sure we do not mix those two up in that situation. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> there was a druid who cast spoke with speak with animals and spoke to Bucks and Baron von Coco Snoot about what had transpired. And we have reason to believe, and basically we know that the person who ostensibly hacked our security, as it were, was was a relative of mine, um, and an enemy combatant of, of my nation. Hmm. And you believe this relative of yours is the one that is responsible for somehow messing with your teleportation circle? She said as much that she brought the animals there. So I'm convinced it was Evelyn. Hmm. Aras kind of thinks for a very long moment. He has been listening very intently to the two of you. Finally, he says, If your question is about the capabilities of being able to do such things, those are, those are powers well beyond anything anyone here could achieve. Teleportation magic in and of itself is a very high-level magic and spell. To disrupt that magic in such a precise way, and then he kind of gives you all a very curious look, and you see him hold up one of his clawed hands 
and he starts to cast a spell. And Jonathan, just as he casts Detect Magic, you recognize what he's casting. And he finishes the spell and gazes around all of you. And then he's looking over Travancore's shoulder. And he looks intently over Travancore's shoulder for just a, a brief moment. And then he says, please stay quiet. He reaches out a clawed hand over Travancore's shoulder as though grabbing something out of the air. Oh, fuck us. As he does, you hear him muttering some other arcane words under under his breath. He pulls out some uh, components out of his pouch and you see him, he takes his clawed hand, which had been open and almost cupping something and makes a fist suddenly and his eyes go white. And there's this very strained long pause in where the, the temperature in the room seems to drop. And then he screams. And it's this horrible, high-pitched, multiphonic bird scream that is, you hear the overtones pierce your brain and his feathers stand on edge. Bucks grips your shoulder, Jonathan, so hard it draws blood. Shadow bays in pain as Aras Zik shudders and screams and falls to the ground and starts to throw up. Uh, uh, we're um, right at his side. Can I just do the cure wounds? <laughs> uh, you can cast cure wounds, but you you don't see any any wounds or anything. You just see him like on all fours, his wings just draped over his back. Some of them are, you could almost swear that they're standing on end as you run over to him and he is throwing up what you can only assume is breakfast, but you don't see any wounds. I'll take a medicine check from you if you'd yes, like. Yes, I, my character sheet's in the other room. It's going to take you a second in order to do that medicine check. Does someone else want to do something else while you run and go uh, get your character yeah, sheet? Yeah, I'm going to, I arcana to the tune of 13 to see what he cast. Uh, I think I have an idea, but I want to try, I want to see if Jonathan knows. You mean after the detect, detect magic? magic? Mm -hmm. You don't know. You have no idea. Hmm. And not only do you have no idea, you really don't know what would cause this reaction to whatever he did like detect magic was really clear and i'll say with a 13 you you have a sneaking suspicion what he s might have seen considering how he reached over travancore's shoulder yeah. and seemed to be looking at something i don't know but how he got rid his... of it but yeah yeah uh bernie uh i yeah it was supposed to be a plus five but i only did plus four it's a 21 as jonathan kind of is mulling over Arcane-wise, what has happened, you do a quick medicine check. This isn't a physical thing. This isn't a... It's, it's a physical reaction to horror. He, he has been scared witless. And is... This is his body's reaction to stress. And even as you realize... That, no, this isn't... This is a, a physical response to mental pain and anguish. He gathers himself and kind of wipes his beak with his his arm and says my, my apologies that I'll was help him up. that was a uh, yeah I, I also i if he wants to get up i i offer him a hand and we both kind of help him up 
Uh, he lets both of you help him up. He is shaky and you basically can help him into a chair. He's he's very large for an Aarakocra. He is, most Aarakocra that you've ever seen or know about are like five feet, four feet. He is almost the size of Carlton. And so, uh, but he's not very heavy, but he has no strength. And you help him into a chair and sit him down. And he's gripping the side of the table with, claws that dig into the wood that that was a scry- that was a scrying sensor wasn't it that was what what is following you what that wasn't what a scrying is, sensor that was but what fiend is following you what um, evil oh shit uh <laughs> Uh, that is a but- very good question. And he looks over at Travancore and he says, that was, it's, there's something, it's, there is some powerful fiend that is, that has cast that on you, that has been following you. Is it that friend of your great, 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 great grandpappies? I think friend is a rather glib term. Friend is, um. Is it that guy that your great, 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 great grandpappy knew? No. How would you know something? How? Why? Why would you? Why? Travancore's got a little story for you, but I think before we get to that, did you permanently get rid of it, or is it just suppressed and it could come back? Like, do is that something that I'm going to have to deal with from now on? I had a notion that if I was to try to have any chance of doing what you had described, I would need to know when you were being teleported. And so I would scry on you. And scrying is something, it is powerful magic, but it is not. And he sits back. Hmm. It is not so powerful that it is unknown. I can do that. I mean, I'm working on it too, yeah. A, a simple detect magic can find it. It is it is invisible, but it is not undetectable. But you need to know that it is there, and you need to be aware that it is happening. And if the being that is casting it is powerful enough, detecting it can be difficult. But, and he looks, he's locked eyes with Travancore, and he says, you were being scried upon, which explains how they knew when you were being teleported. But I tried to trace the scry. It's coming from inside the house. There was a fiend. That was, that was, there was a devil. You are being scried on by a devil from the Nine Hells. Uh. Oh, shit. All the gods bless you to prevent that from happening again. Um, Master Do not, Sick. And now he moves, like, as you try to interrupt him, he moves his, his gaze to Jonathan. He says, you can dispel it. it you be, do not do that. Do not, do not make the same assumption I did that this is just some person, some being, some human, some elf, some dwarf. Do, if I can show you what to do, I can help you. It just takes a dispel magic to get rid of it if you know that it's there. Don't trace it like I did. I, yeah. Aras, you're a lot more powerful than I am, so if it did that to you, it would probably kill me. 
It is a fiend from the Nine Hells. I touched its mind. You must find it. You must get rid of it. If it is on this plane of existence, it is a threat to everything and everyone. Do you think it knows <clears throat> that thing from the Crypt Guard? I doubt it. I mean, if, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, well, actually, well, no, you could be onto something. I mean, if, if the thing in the Crypt Garden was some sort of harbinger, like a scout, in, uh, essentially, I mean, the, the, if they're both from the Nine Hells, then it's very possible it, it could have used whatever brought the demon, the rot demon from the Crypt Garden here. It could have also traveled along that lane, that path. Jonathan, hmm. you're pretty sure you're not. You're not a hundred percent. You're pretty sure the the rot demon, because it came from Orcus, was probably a demon demon. Oh, a demon and demon, not a devil demon. Not a yeah. And you know enough about the, the two of them that they would never work together. Right, right. Okay. One might no, try to use the you other. You can check out D and D Beyond for informational <laughs> historical lessons. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Nothing like a plug to cut the uh, well, tension. Right. <laughs> Demons tend to be chaotic, devils tend to be lawful, and while you could see one trying to use the other, or one taking advantage of the other, the idea of them working together, or even helping each each other, especially get to this plane of existence, would be abhorrent to either of them. Right. Um, so... So no? Probably not. But... This is probably going to be a lot worse. All right. Aras, I don't know either detect magic or dispel magic. So I'd be willing to put in some work to... Oh, yeah, what do you, which ones do you know? Both? I They're in my wheelhouse. I've dispelled magic before, and I can definitely detect it. I think it's like a first level spell for me. It is. It's one of the ones they teach you pretty early on. Um, yeah, I can, I can do it. Um, I can ask Bay for help. If you like, we might need her help. Given it's a fiend. It might be good for both of us to have that available, so. Oh, yeah. Could we, could we, I mean, like, this may go against, like, D&D rules. Could, could we cast a spell together? Well, no, no. What I'm saying is that, uh, that there's a library with a ton of spells downstairs. So what Jonathan the Magimuscular may do, if Aras is cool with it, uh, he may go down there today to go put Dispel Magic and uh, Detect Magic into a spell book. That way, maybe we, maybe we trade Dispel or Detects at first. So like one day you detect magic on Travancore and then the next day I detect magic on Travancore. And then if a Dispel is needed, we'll figure out. I mean, I should probably have it prepared anyway, but... Well, yeah, we, if we both have it, then that's a lot of flexibility. Yeah. You know both detect and dispel. I should. So Aras will say, that is some of what you need. Detecting will, now that you know, it will be harder for it to scry on you because you will, you will have a better chance of detecting when you are being scryed upon and resisting it. Detect magic will... Reveal it if it is there, and Dispel will will get rid of it. My mistake was trying to trace it, which I I would beg you not to do. No, you. That's very clear. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Don't don't worry. That that message is received. Do not star sixty nine. It does not alleviate the underlying issue of 
of being scried upon by a, a fiend of that power. And I might be able to help you to keep that from happening again. How that would we? be handy. That would be good. That'd be real good. I would like that. Mm. Sure, Travancore would. Stay here a moment. I need to consult with somebody. And he stands up and he's he's still shaky, but you can see he's kind of composed himself a little bit. Um, and he nods to all of you and he leaves. We want to thank Polymorph Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Polymorph Crafts offer stylish and affordable ways to carry everything you need to game day and stay organized at the table. Their Mimic Chest starts life as a compact wood chest that converts into a dice tower and tray, dice and pen vaults, card stands at a coaster, and plenty of room to carry minis and more. Over 230 tiny magnets in each Mimic Chest make assembly a breeze and come in three affordable price points with lots of customizable options. So check out polymorphcrafts.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at polymorphcrafts. That's polymorphcrafts.com. The wonderful folks behind Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms has given us a code for a free gold chest in their game. What's Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms? Well, it's an officially licensed D&D idle clicker game that you can download and play on your PC via Steam. I've been playing it for a while now, and trust me, it's loads of fun. I usually have it running while I'm editing the audio for our episode. So I'm really excited that we have this offer for our listeners. Gold chests contain five cards from uncommon to rare rarity and give you buffs and sometimes equipment for your champions. Now, this code expires on March 11th, 2018 at 9 p.m. Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. M-I-C-E-D-E-F-I-V-E-X-T R-A-Y-S. So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. I'd like to roll a history check or something about to see what Travancore specifically knows about fiends. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll take a history check. I'll take a religion check, or I'll take an arcana check. You'll get different information for either of them. Right. them. Travancore has... I mean, I could... You can do the religion one if you want. I'm yeah, going to do the history. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to do the history, cause... Yeah, because I got the arcana one down, too. Funny how it's like the opposite of how it is in the real world, where one of us knows a lot about history, one of us knows a lot about religion. I took a lot of religion classes in college. I know true, quite a bit true. about religion. Yeah. <laughs> I did yeah. grow up in one. Same. What was your what were what roles do you have for me and what are you trying to do into it? Alright, history twelve. Alright, so the history of twelve, you're you're just looking for history information about devils? Yeah. Yeah. You you think you probably know what everybody knows. They come from the 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 plane of the nine hells, which is where evil or corrupt souls go when they are claimed by uh, devils and are tormented incessantly until, you know, for the end of time, until later are turned into devils. You do know they are considered lawful evil. So they don't, they do tend to try to uh, corrupt with intelligence, as it were. They try to persuade with convincing arguments and they, they do have a hierarchy and can be negotiated with, although they are incredibly intelligent and super devious. And so deals with the devil are never a good thing. 
but that's kind of all you know. Bernie, how about you? You rolled a religion check? Got an 18. You, you know the same thing. You also know that there are that there's a whole hierarchy of devils of all sorts of powers. And while you get the sense from the response that Aras had that this must be a powerful being, devils that walk the the material plane, they try to keep themselves hidden and they tend to be here for very short periods of time. The just like at the crypt garden with the demon equivalent, how the fact that this fiendish entity of such power was on the material plane for long enough that it corrupted the land around it, the same thing would happen with a devil. A, a powerful enough devil would be impossible not to notice. So it's it would be weird if this thing is around a lot all the time. Like that, how that could be happening and no one noticed until you guys, that strikes you as odd. Hmm. 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 Jonathan, do do you think that this uh, devil fright thing it is the reason that Blue's the way he is, and that that could be bad? Like he's using Blue? No. no. I think uh, I think that uh, that whatever got our pets back to us uh, manipulated time and didn't do it as well as other people we've seen manipulate time. Okay. I think. Uh, I think as uh, as we as we wizards say, uh, blue got time splinched. Oh, time splinched! I didn't realize that was a scientific term for it. Uh, well, yeah. You normally it's for teleporting. You can get splinched, but uh, but uh, blue got splinched in time. Uh, and mm. Jonathan the Magimuscular got a twenty-five for his Arcana check. You know, there's a very famous singer Carlton, and she wrote a song about time splinting, and her name was Cher. Sorry. Uh, but Sorry, now I have Cher going through the back of my head and I'm trying to give I can do that with my sore throat. Jonathan, what exactly so with your arcana check, is there a specific thing you're trying to determine with your arcana check? So I wanna determine what can a devil do spell wise? Like like what is their maximum capacity for spells and what spells generally does a fiend have at their disposal or is it just all weird shit uh it's there's a lot of weird shit it also would depend on the 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 power level of the devil just like a variety of monsters there are a variety of devils and some of them are more powerful than others you do think that anything powerful enough to be here on the material plane and to scry on you and to have elicited that much of a reaction from Aras. While you think some of that is just the the sudden shock of him meeting minds with a fiend, you also think this is probably a fairly powerful entity. Let me see for just a second. Uh spell-wise, you you think all right, well, if it's this fiend that's casting the scrying magic, you are pretty sure scry is a fairly powerful spell. It's one that's still too powerful for you to know. And if it's a fiend that's powerful enough to know that spell, then certainly anything up till that point is fair game. 
Now that's, there's no guarantee that this isn't something else going on as far as how this fiend is, is you do know that there are fiends out there that don't have any spellcasting abilities whatsoever. So there might be something else going on. There are objects in the world that you can use to scry. You don't necessarily have to be a magical being, but your, your gut says there's probably something with some, some pretty nasty spellcasting capabilities under its hood. Right. And, and the thing, the, the fact that it was, I mean, we don't know that it was using scry specifically or it was using some other scry-like effect. But Jonathan the Magimuscular probably would know, even though he hasn't figured out scry for himself. He's working on it. Well, Naras said. Uh, right. Naras confirmed that, yeah. And, and well, the Travancore's thing is, like, being scryed on. Yeah. Scry requires you to be on the same plane. So it is definitely here. Yes. It's yes. not... I... If it's here... I mean, and maybe it could be here. It could be in Burkhanum. I, I mean, it could be on the plane. It could be in uh, in Alcara. The, the so rat that, that demon corrupted. Could this, oh my god! Could this explain the madness of your family, Travancore? I mean, you said that was your 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 curse, but what if the corruption isn't? What if you are the forest? I I see what you're saying. It's possible. We. We might be, I might be Crypt Garden, but we were honorable once. My people, before the deal was made, we were good, we were decent, we were fighting to survive. We can be that again. My purpose becomes clear. I know the odds are against me. I know that I have to clean of mess that is centuries old. Yeah, and this thing is old and powerful, and and it, like... A deal with the devil was literally made. I didn't. Th I thought this would be like, hey, eldritch powers with tentacles and stuff. No, it's just a fucking devil. Uh, that makes it simple, but also just as horrible. That's terrifying. Well, I mean, at the same time, everybody gets tricked. Um, and that's what these guys specialize in. These yeah. things. At this moment, the door opens back up again, and Aras comes walking on in, holding something in one of his claws. And you can see it's it's been a couple of minutes, and while he is still wide-eyed a little bit, he still looks like he's still recovering from his shock. He has recomposed himself. He is no longer shaking. His, his feathers are no longer ruffled. You don't know if he spent time preening or not, but he, he comes back in holding an, an amulet, and he holds it out to Travancore, and he says... It is my understanding that you are going to go after, or the devil, that is doing this. That you seem to have some idea of what is going on. Some idea. And we generally do go after these kinds of things. Um, I still haven't figured out the why yet, but it's like the thing we like. You know, some people like to get spanked. It's what we, we do. We like this. We like to change fate. I would prefer spanked at this point in time, though. Just gonna be honest. This, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. This is a fate that needs to be changed. This is a creature that needs to be destroyed. It cannot stay on this plane. And if it has come here of its own volition, it needs to be removed. If it has been summoned here, whoever has summoned it needs to be removed. And this cannot stand. And he hands the amulet out to you, Travancore, and he says, This will protect you and your companions from being scryed upon. But you must stay within eyeshot of each other in order for it to work. How, how far? You must be able to see 
He hands the amulet to Travancore and he says, when you put this on, it will protect you from being scried upon. But it will not protect your friends unless they can see you. As long as they can see you, they cannot be scried upon. Do you understand? I do. And I, I take the amulet. A few questions. I slowly start walking closer to Travancore. <laughs> <laughs> Arash looks at Bernie and says, "I I assume that you would." Yeah, that's good. You're you are a quick learner. Um, I I don't want to watch him poop. Then you probably want to get this done with quickly. Yeah. Okay, um, I know you're not, like, a doctor, but hi, I am. I don't, like, track their bowel movements or anything, because really, who has time for that kind of chart keeping, am I right? And re- I think they're all pretty regular, especially that one after he stuck an opal up his butt. Whoa, boy, every day, like clockwork, 1030 in the morning, whether or not we're fighting anything just comes right on out. Um, restoration <laughs> didn't even help with that one either. <laughs> Well, that, that, that escalated quickly. Yep, yep, that went places. I'll tell you guys the story about... About the time Carlton was killing things and shit his pants. Because it was 10.30 a.m. And no matter what we're doing, apparently I can't hold my bowels. It's can't. Throughout all this, Aras is stone-faced. Lauren, on the other um, hand, finds this incredibly amusing. Yeah. But Aras is... Hey, sometimes you can't trust a fart. Yeah, oh yeah. What I'm what, what I'm getting at here, and um, all that being said, is that well, see, we will probably not kill this devil in the next. She checks her watch, six hours and fifty two minutes, and I don't want to be scratched upon. Do you have a suggestion on like how we do this? I mean, obviously we have to be able to see him, but. I'm not going to be able to see him all the time. I don't want to watch him sleep. What happens if we sleep? If we sleep, we can't see him. I There's a lot of holes here. It is not the kind of magic that is easy to come by. This is the only one the Amethyst Acropolis owns. And it was, it was only through my personal relationship with one of the other masters that allowed me to get this to lend to you. I'm not being unappreciative. I understand. I have a question. Yes. So, if we see it, we can't be scried on. What if, like, as Bernie was saying, Travancore is indisposed at the moment. We break contact with the, the, the device. We start getting scried on. Now, when that device, when the amulet comes back into our view, does the scrying stop? There will be a moment in where it will happen. The visual element was an easy way of explaining that you only have a limited range. You can sleep. You can not. You don't have to look at it. That is. Oh, we just have to be like within like X amount of feet radius, like in a circle. Like we'll just tie string. The basically need to be within about seventy-five feet. Like, I'm, okay, this so we get seventy-five feet of You need to be we'll within tie it around our waist and his waist, and we'll just never no, go no, farther no, than no, that. No, we're not doing no, that. We're not no. putting Travancore on a leash. No, and he needs to be wearing it. You basically need to be within like seventy-five feet, and you can't be in like different rooms and stuff. It's direct line of direct line of sight kind of thing. But if you're if you you can see it, it is literally if you can see Travancore, you are within range of its bubble of influence. So no, you do not have to be awake. You do not have to be looking directly at him the whole time. And Aras then says 
uh, after Lauren has explained the mechanics of this, Aras says, if you are without, are outside of the range and you are scried upon and you are unable to resist being scried upon and then you re-enter the range, there will be a moment in where whatever is trying to scry upon you will have to try to reconnect to you. And it will be difficult, but it is not impossible. So so what we should do, if we do have, if that does happen, then we just have to make sure we have detect magic candy. We can detect our- ourselves and then make sure we're not being scried upon before we head back. I would suggest even even with this amulet, being vigilant of looking for being scried upon. Well, in that and case, yes, it does mean it does give you, it does tie you together until this problem is solved. But all right, it was a better option than asking you to cast detect magic every hour. Right, That's I think true. though we still should have as men, as much of that as our at our disposal. So if it's okay, Aras, I would like to go to the library and work on those for the rest of the day. Roll a persuasion check. I mean, is that not one of the benefits of being a member? Oh, it's definitely one of the benefits, but as you know, that would take a, a very long time. Go ahead and roll a persuasion check. Uh, like 20, 22, I think. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, 22. He looks at you and he says, if you feel that that is something you should do, then that can be arranged. As long as you're within the Amethyst Acropolis, we have our own ways of preventing scrying. But every moment you wait to do this, this devil now knows that we know it was looking at you. And the longer you wait, the more crafty and dangerous it becomes, and the more it will try to get its answers in other ways. So how? where is it? I mean, we... That is one of the things, now that I am no longer shaken, it is close. Oh. It is within mile. Wait, wait. Within a mile? Maybe we will kill it in the next six hours and 51 minutes. Several miles of here. It might be within water deep itself. Hmm. I have already informed the other masters and they will do their best to try to track this thing down. Because a fiend from the Nine Hells within the very city that we love is is a horror that cannot stand. Okay, that was not understood before, that it would be right here, because yeah. same oh. this plane is a big place. Okay, um, still. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. It would take me eight hours, so the rest of the day before to, to turbo both spells. We could do a lot in eight hours. Do you have any other leads on this this relative of yours, Travancore, is, is do you have any reason well, to look anywhere in specific? There's the, a cave dragon if, that has some his weapons from his family history. Yeah, that's see. There are weapons you know of here. There's a there's a dragon. Also, can we crash here while we're looking for the thing? Since it can't look at us here, can it look at us here? I was pretty sure it can't anymore. I think. Yeah, because of the amulet. As long as you guys can see me, no matter whether well, it's the, the amulet, but also they said that the amethyst acropolis can't be scried on. Yeah, this is technically. Aras will say, 
this is technically not part of the Amethyst Acropolis, the actual tower where you would be teleported into that has protection from scrying. And if necessary, we would house you there. But with this amulet, as long as you remain within a decent distance, then you should be fine. But that does not negate the the dangers that this creature possesses with it being so close. Let's workshop this then. No, I I have asked the questions. I feel like you know the answers. Well, okay. So we wh- what we have to determine is who is this devil affiliated to? I f- it clearly is affiliated with with Evelyn because it's chose to scry on Travancore. The cave dragon doesn't know any of us. So I don't think it the cave dragon is is in league with this thing. It would have no reason to mess with us like that. What I'm wondering is when our animals got teleported away, did they get teleported all the way to Bacanum? Or did they get teleported a lot closer? Oh, to like a warehouse or something. Right. And that's where Evel that's where Evelyn is and that's where this demon is. Maybe it was the drow Edith that has the weapons and is working with One Evelyn. One moment. I'm going to I am going to deep dive into Bucks's memory and see if he caught like a window, a look outside, anything that might give a clue as to where they were held. After a brief moment cuz you've you've kind of gone over these memories quite a bit in the last day or so. There was nothing. There was just the word of the other animals that you got that they were in Alcara. So, what I don't know if being scried upon puts out any kind of energy signal that can be detected either by Bernie or Jonathan. Where in theory, if I'm being scried upon, she would be too. If the the cause root cause is what I think it is, Aras would explain as Jonathan is kind of thinking through these memories. He would say. Uh, scrying re- requires for it to be successful to be done onto someone or to an area that is known by the person doing the casting. You can be unfamiliar with them and just have a description or more information helps because the, m- the more familiar you are with your target, the better chance you have of breaching their natural defenses against being intruded in that way. Anyone who had been scrying, it creates, it basically lets you stand in the room with them. When I sensed that scrying was possible, the sensor had appeared over your shoulder, and through that sensor for the the brief time that it was active, the being scrying through that sensor could see and hear everything around you. So while you were its target, anyone you were talking to or could hear or see, it could also see. So it knows about us. It knows all of us. That being said, the normal length of a scry is only a few minutes. And even an incredibly powerful creature like a devil would have a difficult time continuing to scry all of the time. This could not have been going on continuously for long, but 
those versed in the arcane arts and intelligent enough can figure out strategic times to do such a thing. But yes, it knows us all. We we need some help then. We need to figure out where this thing is because my only notion is it is somehow tied with the with the lore of Burkhanum and all of that. But if it's here, then it's like like you said, something like that doesn't just stick around and not affect everything around it. So, Bernie, is there any way Bay can help us with this? I can. Well, I, I've got some options. I could just ask. Um, an ask like this is pretty big, though. Are none of you able to scry? Not until I get fifth level spell. I'm working on it. I haven't. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm more of a scry than a scryer. Yeah, scry is fifth level for us. Jonathan, did you? Did you? Did you? Did Bucks know if it was here in Waterdeep or in Perconum? That's what he was. He was told it was in uh, Amkara, right? Alcara. Alcara. He was told it was in Alcara, which that doesn't necessarily mean that was in a different continent. If Evelyn is here, she may have carved out a piece of land or a cave or something and just calls it Alcara. Huh. And I I, I think for a moment and I'm like, if it's here in, in town, we used to track things with smell. And I go to him, like, hey, Blue, hey, Blue. And hey, your puppy kind of claws at the basket, hearing his name. He's been very quiet this whole time, which is not normal for a, a Blue's puppy. Blue's a good boy, right? Blue's a good boy. <laughs> and, and, hey, hey, buddy, you remember that place where you met, you remember, you remember that place where you met all your new friends? <laughs> if, if you smelled it again, would you be able to recognize it? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, who's a good boy? Picking up what Carlton's putting down, Travancore looks at Shadow and says, same question before a fire bear. Bucks only sees shit, so he's useless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shadow looks over at you, Travancore, and he's been kind of sitting hunched up in a corner. There's a tiny little room. It only had a couple chairs and a table. And so he's been doing his best to stay out of the way. He looks over at you and kind of cocks his head. And you you get the sense you're not exactly sure. He's not exactly sure what you're asking, but he goes... <laughs> and he he seems to be confident that he can do whatever it is you ask of him. And Bucks actually, knowing that he can't smell real good, flies onto Coco Snoot's head. Oh, Coco Snoot, I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm not going to insult you by asking you if you smell things. Aras looks at all of you and says, "Your animals have met this woman." Yes. Yes. They were. T- this woman was the one who did the teleport hijack. She she kidnapped all our animals, and it was only through some help from other animals, I think, and their own guile. A meerkat. And a meerkat. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was only through those helps that they were able to get to get back to us. So what what I'm thinking is that they didn't go that far. As far as we originally thought, Evelyn is here and she is bringing Alcara with her and she already has, and she's got this devil helping her. If you are familiar with her, we can attempt to scry on her. Can you do that now? Roll a persuasion check. 
tell of an ass seeing that what he just went through. You literally, as you ask this, you see you see his face drop with the he's considering scrying on what you have described as another being, not a devil, but certainly after what just happened, he is uh hesitant. Full gun scry. Okay. Uh yeah, no, no, I I <laughs> persuade to the tune of five, so I'm like, can you do it? Like Please We need you to can I try? Can like we try to help him? I want to hear what you have to say first before I'll let you roll, but if you want to make a convincing argument, he's as as Jonathan asks this and his face falls and you, you I mean, he's a bird. He doesn't pale, but you, you can clearly but see the distress pales. on his face. <laughs> he kind of yeah. pales. So yeah. what, what would you like to say to him? Like, I'm not going to deny this is scary. I'm a little scared. I'm sure everyone else is. But it, I would rather try to find her through any way we've got than not. Because she's going to find us. And I would rather find her first. Wouldn't you? And Travancore is going to join in too and say, you know what you saw, what was tracking you. You know what the stakes are. If getting us to Evelyn gets us once closer to, to expelling this fiend, if it's within you at all, and for what it's worth, I am terribly sorry that I put you through, then it's worth a shot, isn't it? Bernie, go ahead and roll a persuasion check with advantage because of Travancore. Nice. 24. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Not oh, an good. eight. Thank God. he thinks about this for a very long time and says i can try but i do not know her and as i have explained your familiarity with the target increases the chances of its success i need a sketch hang on travancore hand me the sketch i hand jonathan the sketch yeah i give him the sketch and shit i can't and you shit right here in the Metropolis, Jonathan. I, I just undo my robes and poop. It must be two thirty in the afternoon because that's when Jonathan poops every day, like clockwork. <laughs> uh, like like a clockwork modron. Modron. I'm trying to think if there's a way for me to to have Buck send him an image, but I don't think there is. Well, as you pull it out, like you had been very successful in drawing this from your your image from bucks and he looks and he says this this will help this this is this is your your relative what was her name again her full name is evelyn ayer and if it helps at all you're familiar with me so just imagine someone wait you guys like have me. similar blood <laughs> give us <Yeah>. blood now <laughs> okay let's back let's pump our brakes real quick if, if that's what it takes i'll give you a little bit of blood he looks at travancore and he says and he takes all his blood. What relation does... He's holding the, the, the picture, and he looks up at you. And he says, what relation is she to you? She is my father's brother's daughter. If you will lend your assistance, we might be able to scry on her. Whatever it takes. He holds out a clawed hand. I take his hand. Uh, he grips your arm and looks at you again and says, We are scrying on this woman but if she is in league with a fiend you have seen what might happen do you understand the dangers i understand then think of her think deeply of her think strongly of her 
And it's very hard for Travancore because, as you guys know, he's never actually met him. But he's read the stories of his uncle, and he knows a little bit about Evelyn. So he thinks about what the story that was related to him about what Evelyn said, and he tries to concentrate as much as he can. Everything about his family history, everything about her motivations, everything that he can think of about Evelyn, every spare thought that he either knows or can infer, he, he concentrates on, on all that. But specifically on the threat that she made to Shadow, and basically the, the, the whole, I'm coming for your head, Travancore. He thinks about that, because that's the... That's the direct line. You stay holding each other's hands for a moment. And then Aras moves forward with both hands and places them on the side of your shoulders and says, concentrate on her, focus on her. Just her. Okay. Nothing else. I concentrate on Evelyn Iyer. And I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Ooh. Well. Bucks lands on your head. I'll let that happen, even though Bucks doesn't really know what's going on. I'll let it happen. Okay. Well, I don't know if he needs it. 21. Travancore's okay. always been very lucky. Okay. Travancore? Yes. Your sight leaves you. Everything goes dark. Everything goes quiet and black, and there is a rushing noise, and then suddenly, you are standing in a cave. You're standing in a... In a cave that you can only see because of your dark vision. There is practically no light. It is a small cave. Maybe about 40-50 feet. Rough rock. It is not a uh, worked stone. There is a an entranceway off to your left leading off into darkness. The room itself, small utilitarian. Someone has placed a cot on the ground. There are Notes and pieces of paper everywhere. There is a a weird aura in the air. It's even though you don't feel like you're really here, you're the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end and you feel goose flesh. And even though when you look down at your body, you see nothing, you are not here, but you are here. And directly in front of you is the woman that you've been told is your cousin, Evelyn. She stands in dark leathers that are smeared with blood and holding a dagger in front of her over the body of what looks to be a drow. And in front of her is the reason for your goose flesh. A red-skinned woman in black and red armor of intricate horror Black feathered wings splayed out behind her, a classically beautiful face, red skin, sharp fangs, horns on the top of her head, piercing red eyes. You look down and see that this creature, this fiend, is holding a wicked black sword with barbs on it and is glaring at what you can only assume is Evelyn, although you only see the back of her head, like, like you're standing behind her, watching in front of her. What languages do you speak? A whole bunch. Rattle those off to me. Okay, common, elven, draconic, goblin, sylvan, celestial, undercommon. Okay. The creature standing in this room with Evelyn is speaking in a language you do not understand. Fuck! 
And Evelyn responds in Elvish and says, I am not done summoning you. You will still obey my command. And the creature responds again. And Evelyn responds again and says, I said I was not done. What else did you see? And the creature draws back a little bit and then responds in Elvish and says, I was discovered. They have gone to the Tower of Mages. They know I am here. You will be hunted and killed, and I will enjoy feasting on your soul in hell. And Evelyn says, Not as long as I still have it, and not as long as I still have you. What else can you do? What else do you want me to do? I am not infinite in my power. You might know my true name, but you do not have all the power to command. It is mine, and if you want more than I can give, then there are contracts that need... And before she can finish, Evelyn cuts her off and says, I know better than to than to bargain with you, beast. We are done here. I will expect more from you tomorrow. And she waves her hand and says something in that same language that you don't understand. And the creature in front of her grins and says, we will see. And then dissipates into nothing, is just gone in an instant. For a moment, Evelyn is standing there alone in this room, and you hear her sigh. And then she turns, and as she turns, it's it's weird. You've been standing. Like, you feel like you're standing right behind her. You feel like you're standing in this room, but you are not there. And as she turns, you just turn with her. Like, you, you can't see her face. You are constantly just over her shoulder. And she turns, and now you can see the, the right side of this room is a array of books and one of the books is two and a half feet tall with pages that would be taller than Bernie. And it is open and it's propped open against the wall and you can't read what it says and you're not sure if it's because it's in a language you don't understand or if it's There's something about this vision. You're not sure, but you can't read any of it. And she stalks over to the book and slams it shut, hitting the the leather-bound book with the side of her fist. It slams shut and falls to the ground, kicking up dust. And she swears at it in in Prakanam, in your native tongue. She lets out a string of curses that If your mom had ever said that, you you would blush. (laughs) And you see on the cover of it, it is a blackened leather cover with writing on it, once again in a language that, that you don't understand, and a symbol. 
and then you're back in the room with your friends. All of it's just gone. You were one minute you're standing in this cave, and the next minute you're back standing, Aras's sh- uh, hands on your shoulders, claws digging into your flesh, almost breaking through, but not. And you, you blink, and you're back. And he exhales, and he says, She summoned her. She has summoned it. She knows its true name. She must die. And we'll stop there. And we'll pick this up next week. Ah, oh, jeez. As- ho, ho, ho. Morning, oh, morning. Just a quick dun. adventure. Morning. Just quick 20 minutes in and out. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little bit of an adventure. Before we go, let me give you some experience. I didn't give you a chance to give you experience last week because it was kind of an intense game. And even though today was kind of an intense game, you deserve some experience because, hey, answers are always worth experience. Oh, yeah. So for the multitude of answers, for Travancore revealing his backstory, for Bernie giving awesome questions to that backstory, for Carlton coming up with, frankly, a very interesting way of tracking Evelyn, for Jonathan spilling a lot of very close information to uh, a group that he's just barely begun to know and for asking a lot of the right questions. I'm going to give you a total of 2,855 experience to split between the four of you. And as we finish with this intense moment and where you think you might know more about what's going on, next week we'll, we'll return right to that moment and we'll see what happens next on Dungeon Drunks. Devils, guys. Devils. Yay. Devils. The devil is in the details. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our artifact and wondrous tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.